this is probably the hardest message that I've ever had to write. And the reason for that is this. Because as I write all messages, I have to speak to myself first. But when it comes to Father's Day, I feel like, you know, I don't live up to that standard of being the godly father that I should be. So this was very hard as I search scripture, as I have to challenge myself, first of all. And I just want to say before I start, I don't have it all together. And I'm sure if all of our fathers had to take a poll this morning, we could all say that we don't have it together. And we have a lot to learn. So let me just, again, start off by saying I'm not talking down to any dad this morning. But I want to talk what the word says about being a godly father. Because like I said, I definitely do not have it together. So let's just pause for a word of prayer before we go and look into God's word. Father, again, we just thank you and we praise you for you being the greatest father, the perfect father, the father that makes no mistakes, the father that has it all together, the father that sent his only begotten son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to not just be hearers, but be doers of your word, that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to, um, again, just as we as fathers, as parents, as children, that we would recognize that in all things, we are to bring honor and glory to you. And we just thank you and we praise you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We are living in a time when we are asking the women to be mommy and daddy. As there are so many single parent homes in our country today, men have forgotten their responsibility to lead their families. For some of us here, even in the church, we have neglected our call to be the leader of our home. We are present in the home, but we are not presently engaged in family activities. We check out when we are home as we are either on our phones, our computers, or just sitting in our lazy boy watching TV. And as we look at God's word this morning, we need to ask ourselves as fathers, as the leaders of our home, are we doing what God has called us to do? You know, the saying goes that anyone can be called a father, but we want to be called dads. We want to be loving and caring, and we want to be dads. So the first point, and I only have three points, so like I said, I'm going to keep this to the point. First of all, to be a godly dad, we must be a godly husband. And if, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 27. And I'm sure it's on the screen, but first of all, it says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his, himself, its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. You see, we live in a world today where it pushes equal rights. When we talk about submission, it is always used in a domineering way, a way of saying that you must do what I tell you to do or else. But when we look at God's word and we understand submit, and we understand that our first part says, wives, submit to your husbands. 
Again, we are here to talk to us as fathers, as husbands. We need to understand that this should not be a task for our, parents, our wives to do. But as we as husbands, as we as a whole family submit to God, it should be easy for our wives to submit under our authority. We shouldn't have to make them do that. They should want to do it as they see us leading our families in a godly way. In Ephesians, Paul makes it very clear that submission is not something that we force on the wife. But as a husband, we are to, again, be under God's submission. As a husband, when we hear these words, we should all stop and ask ourselves, how can I, be how can I get better at loving my wife? Because when we think that we have shown enough love to our wives, when we think we've bought them enough flowers or diamonds or whatever it may be, we think we have done something for their honor and their glory when we do that. But the reality is that our wives, most of all, they want our love. We have to love our wives, cherish our wives. In fact, as the word says, that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I don't know about you this morning, but we can never reach that point as a husband. We can never say that we have loved our wives as Christ loved the church, as he has died for the church. And for us as husbands and fathers, we need to do this at a daily sacrifice for our homes. When we consider our work fields, we consider our, um, the way that we come home at the daytime, you know, let's be honest, sometimes we feel like we have given it all to our earthly master. We feel like we have given it all to the job that we are on. In reality, we are neglecting the number one job that God has given each one of us, and that's our families. We need to understand that God has called us to come into our homes and be the godly father. In fact, I, I was listening to a, a podcast this week, and the guy was talking about his family and talking about how to be a father. And he said this, that every single night that, I, at, that he is home, he makes sure that he has nothing left because he has given everything that he can to his, to his family. He makes sure that he doesn't just come home and relax and get in a lazy boy and, and check out, but he is there for his family. He is there to constantly be there and to lead them in a godly way. So I ask us as fathers, as husbands, are we doing this? Are we giving our family the best of us? Or are we giving the family the leftovers that we have. And I'm going to be honest, there are times in my life that I give my family the leftovers, that I'm tired, that I don't have enough. I feel like, you know, I just want to check out. But we need to understand that we need to be in this for God because God is telling us that this is our, as I, as I started off, we are, there are many people who would love to have a father who is living, a father who is present in the home. So we as fathers, when we are home, we need to engage with our kids. We need to engage with our wives. We need to make sure that she feels loved by us. Because let's be honest, the wife, as the saying goes, they hold the house together in a way. And we need to make sure that we are giving our wives our best. We are loving them. We are cherishing them. It also talks about the washing of the word. The word of God needs to be the manual to how we cherish our wives, how we cherish our family. You know, in your bulletin, it talked about we can go to every Christian author and every Christian book possible, but we miss out the book, we miss the point on how to, godly, how to parent in a godly way. Second of all, second point is this. To be a godly father, we are not to provoke our children. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. As this verse says, fathers, we need to understand that the focus is not just on fathers as we read the passage. It's, it's actually parents. But as we are this morning, we are talking directly to fathers. We need to understand something, that we are not to provoke our kids. What does provoke mean? Deliberately make someone annoyed or angry. My wife would probably tell you that I am the greatest person in the world to provoke her and to annoy her. Any, any, any um, wives could give amen to that, that their husband is the worst one to do that? That they know which button to push? I didn't get no amen, sorry. <laughs> but the reality is this. We are not to try to make our kids annoyed or angry. But we are to love them. We are to put them, we are to, to show them how Christ, how we are to build up our home. There are many ways that we can provoke our kids, but I want to just talk about three this morning. Some of it, the first one, four actually, the first one is this, inconsistent discipline. When we allow our kids to get away with something sometimes, but in other times when we have not disciplined and we have gotten to the point where we can't take anymore, we discipline out of anger, not out of love. Secondly, unkindness. Sometimes we say things to our kids that we know we would never say to anyone else. We expect our kids to be at this level, and we, we put so much pressure on them because they're not this particular kid. Or you don't do it that way. Which brings us to the third one, comparison. When we compare them to other children, even children in our own home. I only have one kid, so I, only, I can't compare to other children. But we compare them with other children around them. And we say, why you can't be like so-and-so? You know, your brother or sister, they do it like this. All children God has made differently. But God has called us to, to be the father of that home, to bring everything together. And, and the fourth one is this, pressure to achieve. We put so much pressure on our kids, and we set so high of expectation in our kids in whatever it may be. Whether it be education, whether it be sports, whatever it may be, we put so much pressure on them to succeed in the world standards that we don't put that same standard when it comes to showing them what a godly life is supposed to be about. Think about it for a second. If our kid has to go to the baseball game or soccer game or what, music recital, whatever it is, we're going to make time for that. But sometimes when our kids say they want to come to church or they want to do something else, I don't have time for that. You see, we'll make time for what we want to make time for. We will put the emphasis on the things that we want to put emphasis on. And let me just say this. I'm not saying that education and all those things aren't important. But the reality is, is that as we're going to look at the last point, our kids are looking to us for guidance. If we don't show them what it is to love Christ, how are they going to learn? Because they watch us. They see what we do. We bring us to the last point. A good father is to disciple his kids in the way of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. First of all, a disciple is a replication of someone. So as a father, we should want our kids to follow us as we follow Christ. Let me just say that again. We should want our kids to follow us 
but that is only if we're following Christ. Again, we invest so many stuff into extracurricular activities. Like we will, we will put no money figure, or if I have to buy equipment for this sport or instrument, we will put no, you know, you want to do that? Okay, here, I, I will pay for that because that's such a great investment. What's more important than investing in a quality life with Christ? What's more important than saying that I want you to disciple me? You see, our main discipler in life is not the church, but you as a father, as a parent, you are your kid's main discipler. You can bring your kids, and we want your kids to come to Sunday school. We want your kids to come to youth school. We want your kids to do all these things. But you need to make sure that you're instilling Christian values in the home. Because the reality of it, as we sit and think of Sunday school and we think of youth group, whatever it may be, we basically only have a few hours a year with your kids. In fact, statistics show if we, have, if we teach them a half an hour every single week in the Word, that we basically have your kid for two days of the year. Your kid is with you all the time. They're learning what it is to be like Christ in your own home. The question is, what are they seeing as a father? What are they seeing in you? David Platt says this, the goal of biblical parent is not to help your children get a great education, be a great athlete, go on great dates, and have a great career on great money. The goal of biblical parenting is to help your kids accomplish the Great Commission. That's the goal of biblical parenting. It's from the beginning of Scripture. You see, we are to bring honor and glory through our kids. We want our kids to succeed. We want our kids to become the best that they can be. But the question becomes this. What would you do if your kids said they wanted to become a missionary? What would you say if your kid wanted to become a pastor? Would you be excited or would you say, uh, that, that, does, that career doesn't pay that much money? That's not a successful, you know, that's not a successful person if you want to become those things. You see, people will frown, even Christian homes will frown on things like that. But they will say, no, nah, that's not a real career. But you see, that's what we are trying to do. In everything that we do, we are training our kids, wherever they go, wherever they go to university, whatever they do, that they are to be an example for Christ. And I'm not saying if your kid doesn't go into preaching or a pastor or a missionary that you're not doing, but if they become a lawyer, if they become a doctor, whatever they do, they should be trained the way of the Lord and to know what to do, to stand up for their faith, because that's the most important thing that we can teach our kids. You see, parenting, biblical parenting, propels kids into a mission. It never prevents kids from mission. God has given us children by his grace, and he's given us children for his glory. So the question is, how do we raise them for his glory? As we looked at this verse, we, we saw exactly we are to disciple. We have to show our kids what it is. And David Platt says this as well. How can we avoid... Please don't miss it. We can raise our kids to be doctors and lawyers and successful businessmen and women and musicians. But if we have not trained them to honor us and obey God, we have failed. God has entrusted our kids to bring honor and glory to God. 
He didn't give us children so that we could just have a good education, but he gave us children to disciple. 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 to 12 says this, You are witnesses, and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know, like a father with his children, we are exhorted each one of you and encourage you and charge you in a manner to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul has just laid out how he wants others to look at his life. And they saw that just how he, what he went through in life and how no matter what he wanted to share the good news of the gospel. Then he brings a comparison to how a father and a child's relationship. The CSB puts verse 12 this way. This way we encourage, comfort, and implore each one of you to live a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So as a father, we are given three things here that we are to do for our kids. First of all, we are to encourage our kids. The opposite of encourage, of course, we know is discourage. And we have enough of that going on from the world. We don't need our kids to come into a place of their home and we discourage them even more. But our home should be a safe place where our kids can express themselves and we can talk to them and we can love them and we encourage them. Because the world isn't going to encourage our kids. The world is going to discourage them. And the kids are going to compare themselves to other kids and, and say, well, I don't get A's. I don't get, you know, like this other kid. But we are to love our kids no matter what. Second of all, we are to comfort our kids. Paul did all of this as, as, he, as he looked at the church of Thessalonica and he went through so much hardships in life. Paul came and he still comforted them in their troubles. What do we do when our kids are going through hard times? Are we there for them? Do we comfort them? Or do we push them down even harder? Where our kid is given 100% of themselves to that test, and yet they still got a C on that test, and we talk to them and say, what are you doing? Why don't you work harder? But I worked the hard they could. No, you didn't. You could have done better. We need to push our kids in the way, encourage them, comfort them in times of trouble. And lastly, but most importantly, we are to charge our kids to live their lives in a way worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. If our kids don't know Christ as Savior, we must live Christ in the home. They should see Christ in the way we love our wives. They should see Christ in the way that we love them, that we love them sacrificially no matter what they do. Is it hard sometimes? Yes, it is. Because we are all human beings. Let's be honest. We're hard to love at times, each one of us. But God loved us so much that he sent his son. He loved us not conditionally, but unconditionally. So I challenge each one of us this morning, as fathers, as parents, that we would charge our kids to live to the calling that we have called, to live as Christ, to live the gospel in front of them. So how do we apply this? First of all, a godly father is a good husband. Second of all, a godly father does not promote, provoke his kids to wrath or anger. And lastly, and most importantly, you are the greatest discipler that your kid will ever see. So the question becomes, how are you discipling them? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Father, we pray that you would just continue just to be with us during the service, that you would get all honor, glory, and praise. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.
Amen.